This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to How To Money, a financial education podcast for young Australians aimed at opening up the conversation around money. In each episode, your host, Kate Campbell, brings in a variety of guests to explore everything from buying shares to starting your own business, all with the aim of kickstarting your personal finance journey. Just a quick reminder that everything we cover in this podcast is for financial education purposes only, and we are not giving you any advice. If you do want advice, please seek the help of a qualified and competent professional and do some research. Remember, it's your money, so take control. Hi, Gina. Thank you so much for joining me on the How To Money podcast today. Thanks so much, Kate. It's awesome to be here with you. Wonderful. Now, before we dive into today's topic, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your background because from what I've read online, it's pretty interesting. (laughs) Yes, I have had such a varied background in terms of my career and even where I've lived my whole life. So I'm currently living on the Gold Coast with my husband and my fur baby, Macy Gray, he's a little dog. Um, I actually studied to be a dietitian about 15 years ago and I was working in various hospitals and different private practices. And although I really loved what I was doing, I started to notice that a lot of my clients were only achieving their results short term. And that kind of bothered me. And when I was reading the medical literature, it was sort of standard across the board that people would only reach their goals only to go back to where they started. So I then went and did a PhD in habit change because I was really interested in that long-term sustainable change. So after three and a half years of doing my PhD in learning all about habit change and why we do the things we do, I am now a habit change researcher and expert, and I'm the founding director of the Habit Change Institute. So it's really different from what I set out to do because my role now really involves teaching everyday people evidence-based information about changing habits and achieving long-term outcomes. Mm, And I think it's so interesting because I don't think we really think about our habits on a day-to-day basis. And for most people, their only exposure has probably been reading James Clear's Atomic Habits book. Yeah. And oftentimes when I say the word habit to somebody, they will either have a a negative or a positive connotation associated with that. Mm. They'll either think habits means smoking or habits might mean exercise and eating well. But actually our habits involve about 85 to 90% of everything we do every day. We are like very habitual beings. Mm. So what's the, the basic concept between what is a habit and how we can make and break them? 
I guess the first place to start is knowing that there is a difference between habits and behaviors. So when you think of your habits, think of those, the things you do automatically or subconsciously or mindlessly. They're the things that we do without intentionally thinking about them. So that might look like um, ordering the same meal at a restaurant or exercising at a certain time every day. So for me, for example, every day my alarm goes off at 5.30 and I go out and I exercise. It's a habit. And when I don't do it, it feels really strange. The other really key point about habits is that they are always triggered by something else. So let's take the example, when you sit in the car you automatically put on your seatbelt. You don't need a reminder to do that. It's something that you do without even thinking about. It's the same with when I'm getting ready for bed, for example, I'm triggered to brush my teeth. So brushing my teeth is the habit and that bedtime routine is the trigger. So habits are always triggered by something else. Behaviors, on the other hand, they are those conscious deliberate, intentional things that we do. And that might be, what should I make for dinner tonight? Or what's the best way to get from A to B? So I guess the concept is that our brain creates habits so that we can preserve energy. Because when we preserve energy, then we've got lots of more brain space to be able to focus on other more important things. Mm, And I I think that's really interesting because often we have those habits, as you mentioned, like um, putting on the seatbelt when we get in the car, but we don't even realize that is a habit. It's just sort of something we do in the background. And there are so many things we do on a day-to-day basis, even with our finances as well, that we never even think about. So I thought that was is a really great topic to dive into further and then sort of link it back to our finances as well today. And I wanted to know a little bit, how long does it take to make or break a habit? I'm so glad you asked me this, Kate, because this is the most common myth that I have like a hobby of breaking. Mm. So you might have heard that it takes 21 days or 28 days to change a habit. Mm. The research actually shows it takes anywhere between 18 days to 254 days to break or to form a new habit. And the average time being around 66 days. Now, the reason there's such a wide range, and I know that when I first read this, I thought, no, I need a, I need a number to work towards. I don't want this range. But the reason there is the range is if you've got a really complex habit that you're wanting to create, it's going to take longer than a simpler habit. So for example, there's a study that showed uh, people who wanted to drink a glass of water every day with their breakfast formed a habit in about three to four weeks compared to people that wanted to do 50 push-ups a day. And that took them close to a year because remembering a habit is that automatic subconscious would feel weird if you didn't do it. So it would take a long time for 50 push-ups to feel natural. And our habits can also be our mindsets and the way we think. So it could be the way we think about money, the way we spend and save our money. They're also habits as well. And if we're not conscious of them, it can take that little bit longer to break them. Because mm, I think sometimes you do those challenges I've done before. You go to the gym every day for 30 days. And then after that, you can go for months without going to the gym. It's like it doesn't, doing something many times in a row doesn't always actually form any habits. Exactly. Yeah. It, it generally just takes that little bit longer than we've been told. Yeah. I think we all expect things to happen quite easily and quickly. And once you start going past that 21 day point, it actually, it's a bit of a hard slog. (laughs) It is, which is unfortunate because I mean, forming new habits is really all about consistency. 
and doing the habit that you want to create either at the same time every day or in the same place, because then that time or place becomes the trigger. So if you want to create a habit of meditating, then you should meditate at a similar time every day. So say it's 8 p.m. And the more you do that, the more 8 p.m. then becomes the trigger to meditate. And it eventually feels like second nature, but it does need lots of repetition and consistency. The process is the same if you decide you want to break a certain habit, like have you want to stop drinking coffee every day. What steps could you put into place to break that habit? Yeah, you can essentially reverse the strategy. If you want to break a coffee habit, you would identify what is triggering you. So you might look at where you are when you're drinking the coffee. What time is it? Who are you with? Is there consistency in that trigger? And generally there is. So then you could either avoid that trigger or if you can't avoid it, like say, for example, you have a coffee every time you get into the office. We can't not go to work, so you can't yeah. not you can't avoid the office. And so, if you can't avoid the trigger, then you want to replace that coffee with something else, because now you know that getting to work is your trigger. So then you'd be intentional by saying, "When I get to work today, I will have a cup of tea." And then get to work. Although you'll want the coffee, and you'll certainly be drawn to do that automatically, you have to be really intentional and conscious to replace that coffee with something else. Mm, And I think we don't often look at what is triggering our habits because we might just try and solve, like cancel the habit or get rid of the habit, but we don't actually go, well, what's causing us to do this? And that if we don't get rid of or change the trigger or understand the trigger, then the habit's going to be very hard to change or break. Absolutely. You're so spot on, Kate. And that's actually the number one thing that behavior change interventions get wrong is we're so focused on the actual habit that we want to change. But what we don't realize is once we're triggered, that habit's automatic. And so it's really hard to sort of try to backtrack that. You have to be conscious of the trigger first to sort of try to put that barrier to that automatic habit happening. Mm. Are there any sort of typical triggers that you notice a lot that are the reason people have the habits they do? The really common triggers are generally the time of day or the place that you're in. So, you know, for example, certain times of day would trigger us to do specific things like 12 o'clock might trigger you to have lunch. Even if you're not hungry, it's like, oh, it's lunchtime. Or, you know, in the morning is, is oftentimes that coffee habit or even like the place could be when I go to the movies. I buy popcorn, even if I don't feel like popcorn, I, I do that anyway. So it's generally time or place. Yeah, it's probably a good way that people can start having a look at what are their triggers, because it might take people a while to work out what are their their triggers behind those habits. Yeah, absolutely. Especially because habits are automatic. So we don't always realize that we're doing them like you were saying before. The other really good strategy to try to break a habit is to make the habit hard for yourself. So a really common example that I see is if you tend to look at your phone first thing in the morning and you want to stop doing that, well, it's really simple to just put your phone in another room to charge overnight. And it sounds like such a simple thing, but you'd be surprised that barrier of having to get out of bed, go to a different room to grab your phone might actually stop you from grabbing your phone straight away. So making it hard for yourself is also a really great strategy to try to break habits. 
Mm, I realized I was looking at my phone quite a lot in the evening. So I put the time limit on. So all the apps just shut down at nine or 10. What I can't remember what I have it on at the moment. And so then it's actually quite a lot of effort to then say, ignore that time limit. So it does add that extra barrier, which is another way to think about habits as well, trying to make them harder. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that you did that. And tell me, at the beginning when you did that, was it difficult for you? Were you like, oh, I just want to grab my phone and I can't? Yeah, well, I was ignoring the time limits a lot at the start, like that barrier. But then I, as it's gone on, I'm like, well, I shouldn't really be ignoring it. Like every time I see it now, I think I put that there for a reason. I shouldn't be ignoring it. That's awesome. And would you say that it's become easier as time's gone on? Yeah. I mean, even last I still realized I was hitting ignore on Instagram. So <laughs> that's probably one of the apps that needs a bit of work. But um, for most of the things now, it's easy to ignore and especially not getting notifications to remind you that you have this habit or drive to do something. Definitely. Yeah. I do love your honesty, Kate. That's just awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So one of the things else I wanted to talk about is how can we work out if one of our habits or a few of our habits are holding us back from achieving our goals? Yeah. I mean, habits can be so subtle. Sometimes we don't realize really just how habitual something is or, or how much of a pull something has in our lives. But I think a really good way to really be able to determine whether a habit is holding us back from reaching our goals is to think to ourselves, if I keep doing this habit for the next six months, the next year, the next two years, what will the outcome be? And does that outcome align with my goals? And if it's a clear yes, then obviously that habit's fine. You can keep going. If you're not sure, then it probably needs some assessment. And if it's a no, well, then it's pretty clear that that habit's not helping you achieve your goals. Mm, And that's probably a good way to look at it. What is it going to look like over the next two years if I keep doing this every day? Um, Both positive habits and negative habits as well. That's right. Because I think it can be so easy to go, oh, it's just, it's harmless. It's just this time. I've had a stressful week, so it's just this week. But actually, the more you do something, the more habitual it becomes. So even if you do something just that one more time, you're still reinforcing that habit and inevitably making it harder for yourself when you do decide that you're ready to now break it. So it's really important, I guess, to realize that you might be telling yourself that you're just going to be doing this habit short term, but it's more likely to be a longer term behavior or action that you do. Mm, absolutely. And I think one of the one of the things a lot of my listeners, they want to improve their personal finances. And when you start from zero, it can look quite overwhelming. But if you get into a habit of just doing 10 minutes a day of reading some different resources online, listening to a podcast, over two years, that habit really adds up and you've you've suddenly gone from zero to like personal finance expert, but people rarely, I think, look at it on that sort of long time frame. So true. Yeah. But when you start to stack up and see, you know, I've listened to X amount of episodes from this podcast or I've listened, I've read this many blogs, you realize you're so much more informed than you were a year ago. And it really does make a difference long term for sure. Mm. So do you have any insights on some daily habits that we could potentially think about implementing to help improve our overall financial well-being? Yeah, there's actually a really interesting study that was commissioned recently by ComBank, and it showed that 73% of millennials struggled to prioritize their financial well-being. And millennials also reported that the top three stress relievers for them were exercising every day, 
paying their bills on time and knowing how much money is in their bank account. So I think the key message here is if you want to get better at saving, you can. And it's important to ditch the all or nothing mentality and try to just focus on consistency because creating habits is all about consistency and not intensity. And I think as well, it can be really overwhelming when you're just starting because it feels like this big task. And I don't know about you, but for me, if I'm tasked with something that I feel is too big or uh, I don't feel sustainable, it probably won't be something I'll stick to for very long. Taking even exercise, for example, it's so much easier to think I'm going to go for a 15 minute walk than it is to think I'm going to run a marathon. Those small little baby steps, it just really makes a difference. And I think you touched on a really great point before, Kate, when you were talking about that you reminded yourself why you set the limits for your own usage. So I feel like if you have a purpose or a goal for your savings, you will be so much more motivated to want to save. And this can be even a short-term goal, like going on a holiday, or it can be a longer-term goal, like buying a new house. But the key is really to be clear on your goals and to keep them front of mind. Mm, And I think splitting your goal into lots of tiny little subsections is really helpful. And that's something that I've personally done. If you just write that you want to buy a house, it seems like a very long way away. But if you split that into, okay, so I need to save X amount. So what does that look like on a weekly basis if I want to save this in three years? And can I automate this? What can I do? Can I learn about this? So if you've sort of put down the goal of buying a house and then you write a hundred little sub goals under that, then you can sort of slowly tick one off each week and work towards that goal. Whereas if you just if you just have that massive goal out there that you don't put any steps in towards achieving it, it does become a really hard thing to do. Absolutely. I love that. And I always talk about micro habits, which is the little tiny steps we take. And, and the really great thing about the strategy that you've just spoke about, like doing the little, little goals, is you can stop along the way and celebrate those wins. So I call them incremental achievements. So say you've got a year and at the end of each month, you've got a specific savings goal. Well, at the end of each month, you can reassess your savings and, and say, how have I done this month? And you can go, yes, I did it. And that that sense of achievement is really motivating in itself. And it makes you feel like you can do it and you want to do it. And it really sort of propels you and motivates you to keep going. Mm, absolutely. And because it can be so overwhelming sort of looking at that big picture stuff. And I remember at school, they always talk about smart goals and having um, some sort of time limit and able to some way to know when you've achieved that goal instead of having just those massive things on your vision board. Yes, so true. Yeah. And one of the other things I wanted to ask about, because I was listening to Atomic Habits by James Clear recently, and he talked about habit stacking. And I thought that was quite an interesting way of thinking about it. I was wondering if you could sort of explain what that is and how you could use that. Um, I'm I'm not actually familiar with habit stacking because it's nothing that I've read in sort of the medical literature before. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but my understanding from, I mean, hearing it from other people, is it about sort of layering the habit? So it's about establishing a habit and then building on it. Was that your understanding from hearing it yourself? Yeah. So like if you wanted to start doing 10 squats a day and you work out something that you do a lot, like make you make five cups of tea a day, which is something I do. Every time you go and turn on the kettle, you do 10 squats to sort of mix those habits together. Oh, I see. Yeah. So it's associating one habit with another. Yeah. Stacking it on top of something you do already quite a few times in a day. 
Yeah. So I guess that's just about establishing a trigger, isn't it? Which mm. is what we were talking about before. So find something that you do every day anyway. So it, it could be even like when I wake up in the morning or when I brush my teeth. And you know you're going to do it. It's something that's pretty certain and consistent in your day-to-day routine. And then try to attach a habit that you want to create with those times. So when I wake up in the morning, it could be I'm going to check my finances and I'm going to jump on my app and have a look at how much money I've got in my account. So that could be something. I'm guessing that's what habit stacking is, but essentially it's finding a trigger. Yeah, but he's just put another name to it. I was wondering, what are your top five habit change tips for young people that are looking to improve their finances? Yeah, awesome. So in the research that ComBank did, they found that prioritizing financial well-being includes paying bills on time. So tip number one, which works for both managing finances and financial well-being, so it's a double win, is record and track your bills. So it's keeping a diary of what bills are coming in so you can stay on top of your finances and then you're not depending on your memory. So you can use a financial tool like BillSense, which is a feature in the ComBank app. And it's a really handy tool because it can predict your upcoming bills for 12 months in advance, which I just think is so savvy. And the really cool thing about that is it helps you to better manage and track your finances. And because BillSense helps you to predict your upcoming bills, there are no hefty or nasty surprises. So number one is record and track your bills. The other way to prioritize financial well-being is to know how much money is in your account. So my second tip would be to make balance checking something that you do regularly. So you might want to two days of the week where you say on Tuesdays and Fridays, I'm going to check my bank balance at 7 p.m., for example. And remember to attach that time or place to it. You might want to start by putting an alarm as a reminder. The more you do it, the more automatic that habit will be. Tip number three would be focus on consistency and not intensity, which has been a real theme today. You know, when we try to achieve a goal that's too big or too intense, we do tend to eventually give up on it. If you think of the last batch of New Year's resolutions you set. (laughs) (laughs) Not many of us have uh, stayed strong with those. And so having savings is great, but, you know, living life and enjoying life's little pleasures is also wonderful. So it's important to strike a balance between savings and putting away realistic amounts of money each week. Because when we try to save too much and we're not enjoying life, well, we risk falling off the wagon and abandoning those financial goals altogether. So the biggest tip here is really just start small. There's no need to cut Mm. out all of life's pleasures. (laughs) Tip number four would be know what you're splurging on. I think sometimes our spending habits get in the way of our very well-intended financial goals, and we're not always aware of where our money's going. So At the end of each month, it's a really good habit to get into to look at what you've spent on for the previous 30 days. And then you might want to go through and highlight all those non-essential things that you've spent on. That could be your smashed apple on toast or the new shoes that you bought, all the things that you don't necessarily need. 
I um, I actually did this with my husband not so long ago, and we realized that he spent hundreds of dollars on eating out every month, and he was paying for two gym memberships that he didn't even use anymore. No one's been using their gym memberships this year. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so very frustrating, but also it was such a good exercise because now we've, we're able to save all that money instead of <laughs> paying someone else's mortgage. So becoming more aware of your spending not only helps you to make less impulsive purchases, but it can increase your financial well-being because it gives you more control. And then my final tip, tip number five, is check in with your perspective. There's no question that saving is nowhere near as fun as splurging on the latest technology or the latest fashion. But instead of focusing on what you're giving up, try to focus on what you've got to gain. So if you sacrifice your $5 barista-made coffee for a year, you know, you'd have enough savings to fly to Europe. Or if that's too much for you to sacrifice, well, then you can scale it back. And instead of buying your coffee every day, you might want to just buy it on two days of the week. But just keep your goals in focus and remember why you set them. Mm, and I think that's it's really important and focusing on saving as a as a positive habit, not something that you're forced to do. All the opportunities that open up if you do have that savings and how important it is to have an emergency fund and pay off your debt and think about all the the positive aspects of your life that will lead to. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? In all honesty, I think there are some days when you go, No, those new shoes are totally worth not saving this week. And that's okay to have that bit of flexibility. As long as you're making that decision consciously and you know the sacrifice, you know that that means that thing you're saving for is going to be a little bit further away and you're willing to do that, then that's okay as well. Mm, And I often find sometimes saving and paying yourself first can be a really hard habit to build. And so if you can automate that transaction in your bank, that is probably one of my biggest tips is just automating as much of your finances as possible, because that takes away the the boring sort of admin side of things. And you can actually focus on learning and empowering yourself now that that's taken care of. I love it. It also means that you're not depending on your willpower to put money away into the savings instead of your spending. So that's also a really great strategy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, was there anything else you wanted to share before we wrap up today, Gina? I think we've covered most of it. Just remember to be kind to yourself and to just to focus on that consistency and starting small, you know, saving. You don't have to be earning a lot of money to be a great saver. It's really just about putting away what you know you can and doing so every single time you get paid. Mm, Absolutely. So if people want to learn more about building habits and about you, where should they go? You can jump on my website, which is drginacleo.com or also the habitchangeinstitute.com, or you can find me on Instagram or Facebook, which is also just Dr. Gina Cleo. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the show today, Gina. Thank you so much, Kate. I had a ball. Thank you for listening to this episode of the How To Money Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and send any questions our way via www.howtomoney.online. You can also catch us on Twitter and Instagram at howtomoneyaus, and we'd love to hear from you. You've been listening to the How To Money Podcast.